and welcome to Laying the Points, a Rotovis podcast brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Anthony Miko. Find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host is Action Network writer Matt LaMarca. You can follow on Twitter at Matt LaMarca. Matt, how's it going? Going really well. We made it. We're officially here. You know, week one kicks off tomorrow. Pretty good game, in my opinion, with the Falcons and the Eagles. And uh, it's I'm just ready to get into this NFL stuff, man. Like, you know, all the stuff we've been doing over the summer is just a prelude to what's going to be our weekly show now. And I think it's going to be really, really awesome to be a part of. Yeah, I'm really fired up myself. I mean, this is what we wait for between this and, and all the fantasy stuff. This is like peak peak time of the year. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to be doing an article every week at, at Labs. So I get to be a part of the, the Action Network crew a little bit, which is cool. And uh, I'm just, I'm just look, really looking forward to everything. So... Quick reminder before we get into the fun stuff, you can support the Road of His Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. If you do so, get exclusive access to Road of His Live, which is our weekly Sunday morning video show. Answers all your fantasy questions. Patronships will start at just $5 per month. Gives you exclusive access to Road of His Live. And of course, you still get our 40 other podcasts for just $5 for the entire month. Join today. Access the premium content. Of course, uh, really just support the network because, uh, you know, outside of this show, I think we still do a really good job. Um, so, you know, support that. It'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, if you uh, go through the podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast, you can get a 30% discount to Rotaviz NFL Pass. Uh, maybe a couple of you guys have some last-minute drafts coming up. Maybe you just want to make sure you get access to all the awesome in-season content that will be at Rotaviz. You can get that now for 30% off. Just go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, but the reason we're here, Matt, week one NFL lines. Obviously, we're going to take our lines courtesy of my bookie, where you play, you win, and you get paid. Yeah. And we're going to start with Thursday night. I mean, the the games start, the action starts right off the bat, really quick. We get a, a really nice rematch, Falcons plus one. At the Eagles, the total is 44 and a half. Uh, a couple of notes out of this game. Uh, Nick Foles is going to start. Carson Wentz is still recovering from his ACL injury. Uh, so we have backup QB going and that's kind of it. I mean, we, I think we know kind of what these teams are. Uh, Philly last year, offensive DVOA, they ranked eighth on defense. They ranked fifth. Uh, Atlanta was ninth in offensive DVOA and uh, 22nd on defense. So two pretty good teams here. What do you got for us in this matchup, man? Right, and those numbers that you gave out are actually adjusted for home and road. So I think that might be a little bit more accurate than just going off of like the traditional numbers because a team like the Falcons, you would obviously expect them to be you know, a significantly better team at home where they're playing in a dome versus you know, in this situation where they're going to be outside in a, uh, on a traditional field. So yeah, the Nick Foles thing is, is the big question mark here. This line actually opened up at four and a half. And it was all the way down to one, um, which is surprising to me. You know, like I think most people would would say that the Eagles are the better team here. Uh, we certainly have them ranked that way at the Action Network. We have the Eagles as the third best team in the football uh, in our power rankings. So, yeah, I think that the Eagles here are interesting. It, it really comes down to Foles. You know, he was awesome for them in the Super Bowl, but he had a rough preseason You know, we've seen him before as a starter and the results were a bit up and down. So the question really is, how much are you going to downgrade this Eagles team because of the QB situation? Um, Personally, I think that the hate might have gone a little bit too far. I kind of like the Eagles here. You know, they still have one of the most complete teams in all of football. Obviously, they will also be without Alshon Jeffrey, but... Uh, they still have a, a pretty decent offense. You know, they added Dallas Goddard, who I think a lot of people like at tight end, which gives them the opportunity to run some good two tight end st- uh, sets. So I'm going to lean on the Eagles here at minus one. And one trend that I found that I thought was interesting was that home teams in the Thursday night openers are 9-3-2 and two against the spread. So that's a 75% win rate. So... Uh, you know, I'm not sure. That's obviously a pretty small sample size, but it seems like the home teams have been the the way to go in these Thursday night openers, just like they are with most of the Thursday night games that we'll see uh, throughout the season. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there. I mean, Foles, I think, is probably a pretty significant downgrade. Obviously, the line reflects that, uh, but 
despite how hot he was in the playoffs last year, just 5.3 yards per attempt on uh, 101 regular season attempts. So, I mean, he, he did get hot, but I, I certainly think that Foles is probably closer to like a slightly below league average quarterback. And Wentz is probably, uh, I don't know, maybe like a not just above, but a little bit more than that above league average. So probably pretty significant. I mean, I, I get the three point swing. Uh, but it is kind of hard to pick against Philly just because their defense is so good. Atlanta really is an offensive team. And when you take them out of the dome, I think that makes it a little harder to rely on them. And, you know, of course, if you're just looking at like the DVOA numbers, their defense, you know, it just reflects that it's 22nd on defense. Uh, I do kind of trust this offensive staff, but, you know, we'll kind of see what, what I'm, I'm kind of interested to see actually what Philly looks like on offense with, uh, without Frank Reich, uh, now being with the Colts. Um, you know, they did lose a pretty significant portion of the offensive staff in the offseason. So uh, I will be interested to see kind of like how much of this is on Doug Peterson and how much of it was on the assistants last year. Uh, but I would agree with you that I think this is probably ultimately a little low. Yeah, and I think one thing that's interesting, I don't want to lean too heavily on the betting data since it's only Wednesday. And, you know, there's a lot of time for these lines to move still. But this game does play on Thursday, so we're closer to kickoff. And right now, uh, 31% of the bets are on, are coming in on the Eagles. So not a, a ton of public love, but they are receiving 56% of the money. So that tells me that even though the public might be a little bit scared of the Eagles right now, the big bets that have come in, at least so far, have been backing Philly. I like it. And I also kind of like the over here as a, as a speculative bet. 44.5, I think that both of these teams can still score. So For sure. Steelers minus four at Browns. The total is at 45. Uh, we're not going to see Lev Bell in this game, uh, I would say most likely. Um, and that's obviously, you know, a big move. But other than that, I guess we're pretty square. Josh Gordon's not going to start. Antonio Callaway will start in this place. But uh, I would still expect those snap counts to, to probably favor Gordon. Uh, what do you think of the matchup, Matt? Yeah, I mean, if the snap counts don't favor Gordon, it's just another thing that's working against Hugh Jackson as a coach. You know, um, the one trend here, I, I love fading the Steelers on the road. If you look at the Steelers as a road favorite since 2006, they are 26, 34 and one against the spread. So a win rate of just uh, 43.3%. Um, they're, they're significantly worse when they're a big favorite, you know, like seven plus, but you still get some value when they're a, uh, you know, a medium to small favorite here on the road. This one's interesting to me because the Browns are like the public team right now. You know, like that they mm-hmm. received a ton of money on their uh, season long over and the public is actually really into the Browns in this matchup. They are um, getting 50% of the money. They're actually only getting 30% of the tickets. So they're not really that much into it. But from what I can tell, like the Browns are a team that the public doesn't expect to be nearly as bad and obviously there are reasons to be a little bit down on the Steelers. Um, I'm not, I'm not taking this game. This is a stay away from me, but I personally think that the line value here might be with the Steelers. Um, I think that they're, you know, the better team, um, for sure. And, you know, it opened up or closer to seven. I think that might be more where I would set this line, uh, personally. So I, I like the Steelers if I was to pick a side here, but for me, this is a bit of a stay away. Yeah, the Browns played Pittsburgh really tough in this exact game last year. So there's certainly a precedent for the game to be played close. I'm not like, I, I really don't think that the left bell thing is like a huge deal. Like it's a big deal for fantasy, but, um, you know, the Steelers have been basically the exact same team when he's gone and they've actually been a little bit more productive offensively when he's out just because uh, traditionally they've, yeah, traditionally they've thrown the ball more, more uh, without bell. So as a result, they have actually produced more on offense. So uh, we'll see if that trend continues. I mean, Todd Haley is gone. So I kind of thought that this offense was going to be trending a little more pass heavy anyway. Uh, but it is worth noting that I, that I don't think that the overall offensive quality is going to change without Bell. Uh, and James Conner looked pretty good in the preseason. So I don't think that this is like a, I think it was like a, a much bigger deal before when like the backup was like a scrub, you know, like in, between the D'Angelo Williams and, and the current the current situation. Um, but if you just look at like points for, points against, stuff like that, uh, they are averaging more points with Lev Bell out of the lineup since 2013. So <laughs> You're not a big fan of uh, 
Toussaint Fitzgerald? Yeah, no, it's not really my... <laughs> I don't know if those guys are, like, even real football players. Like, they might just be figments of our imagination. Like, I've never really seen them do anything. But, yeah, so I, I, I'm actually not really sure that that matters that much. I mean, that's... If that's the reason the line is moving, then I definitely think that the spread value is with Pittsburgh. Um, and I, and I think that those, I think that those home road splits are overall are going to kind of change this season just because I do value like what the new offensive staff is going to be doing in terms of the pace of play. Uh, Pittsburgh third last year in offensive DOA. So this is still a team that can score. And, uh, ultimately the Browns are the worst coach team in football. So there's that. (laughs) You can tell I'm already going to be changing some of my picks for later. Yeah. Bengals plus three at Colts. The total is 48 and a half. Uh, big number, big increase on the total. I'll leave it open at 45. Uh, Andrew Luck will be at home. He will be starting for the first time since 2016. Very exciting. Uh, what do you think of Bengals Colts? Yeah. And you mentioned Andrew Luck at home during the regular season. He's 22, 12, and one against the spread. So that's a 64.7% cover rate, which is obviously quite good. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, it remains to be seen if he's going to be, you know, vintage Andrew Luck. He certainly looked a little bit rusty during the preseason, even though he had his moments. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, especially with a pretty weak supporting cast on offense, just how much, uh, he looks like his old self here. Uh, I think the Bengals are the better team here for sure. Like, I think they have some, some blue chippers on defense with Geno Atkins. And uh, I like a big bounce back season from Andy Dalton and their offense. Uh, the Colts, you know, they were a really poor defensive team last year. I don't think they have gotten much better. Hmm. So uh, I think that the Bengals should be able to move the ball here. And uh, I think that, you know, only laying a field goal with them on the road is, oh no, I'm sorry, getting a field goal with them on the road is is uh, the way that I'm leaning in this game. Yeah, I mean, I... I like the Colts. I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to like throw the baby out with the bathwater, I guess. But like, I'm just, I'm really kind of in on this Colts season. I think that they're going to really bounce back. I, I believe in luck. I believe in the numbers that you gave Matt there with the, you know, him just being a car machine. Um, I, the big thing for me, and, and you'll read, you can read more about this in my first piece that'll be up on Fantasy Labs. I don't want to spoil it, but pretty much the Bengals are not going to have much of an answer for the Colts tight ends. And, you know, that's a really big problem to me because the Colts, I think, are a team that projects the throw to the tight end a lot, given yeah. that Ebron and Doyle are probably their second and third best guys after Hilton and uh, Bengals linebackers not very good. So I think that that's a matchup that they can exploit. I think Frank Reich, you know, displayed that he likes to use the tight end when he was in Philly. So I think that's going to be really tough. I mean, you've seen the increase in the total. I certainly think that that reflects, you know, that matchup and the aforementioned poor Colts defense. So I think we're going to see a lot of scoring in this game. Uh, but I do think that ultimately Indy is going to come out with a cover. Yeah, and I think just to go back to what you were saying about the multi-tight end sets, a lot of um, good things have been written uh, by Warren Sharp about like how valuable that is for your team. Like If you yep. can put two tight ends or more on the field at all times, it makes you more balanced. And if you're willing to throw out of those sets, you know, you're usually doing it against a team that is geared up a little bit at least to stop the run you know and they don't have their nickel dime personnel in there so like having multiple tight ends and being able to throw out of those packages could be like a huge thing to watch moving forward it's definitely something that i'm going to be monitoring and you're right that could be a huge advantage for the colts here yeah it's like when you used to play like it it sounds stupid but like when you play madden like when you play defense you always looked at the personnel you know (laughs) they had three wide you'd go nickel and you'd be in position, but if they have two tight ends and those guys can can catch you know catch passes and run around, it's like kind of screws up your defense. So I think that that's a real thing. So Titans, we have our first, we have our next, I should say, home favorite, uh, road favorite, minus one and a half at Miami. The total is at forty-five. We have a uh, our fir- first game uh, from the new Titans coaching staff. We have our first game since two thousand sixteen for Ryan Tannehill. So there's kind of a lot going on here. You can kind of throw away the 2017 numbers, I think, in this one. Uh, But what do you think, Matt, about this matchup? Yeah, I think that too many people are reliant on what happened last year uh, when when making picks, especially early in the season. And a good trend here 
that uh, I thought was really interesting was teams who won six games or fewer the previous season covered 59.2% of the time in week one the following year. So the Dolphins fit that trend. They only won six games last year. Uh, there might be some spread value in this right now. And I am uh, a fan of the Dolphins here. I like backing them at home too early in the season. Uh, I didn't run the numbers on this. This might be more of like a narrative take, but I can definitely quantify this in future shows. But early in the year, in the heat of Miami, the Dolphins get to wear those white jerseys at home. You know, like they definitely get an edge by being able to be uh, a little more cooler than the other team. I don't know how much that matters for the Titans, who, you know, also play in the South. But, like, I love when the Patriots go into Miami early in the year because I think it's a situation where you get a team who's not really used to the heat playing against a team who is, you know, wearing white jerseys. So I I think that that's something to monitor. Uh, But, yeah, overall, I think that, you know, fading some of these teams like the Titans who – maybe overachieved a little bit last year and and backing teams like the Dolphins uh, is going to be a sharp play early in the season. So I like the Dolphins here getting the points at home. Yeah, I do too. And I, pretty strongly, actually. I mean, you got, you got anyone that's listening to the show knows that I'm pro Titans. I am pro Mari Gota. I'm pro Matt LaFleur. But like anything else, you just don't hit your stride in week one. Like it's just not going, it's not, it's not like a realistic expectation. Um, you know, these guys still need to play a lot of game reps together to kind of get a feel for the offense, get a feel for what they're doing. Uh, you know, and the Titans, we're still not really sure what they are at the skill positions. You know, all of their major skill players have been banged up at different parts of the preseason. Um, you know, from Corey Davis and Delaney Walker all the way to, you know, Rashard Matthews. So, so it's kind of hard to know, like, what you're going to get out of those guys. Uh, and Miami does very quietly still have a pretty good group of skill players. I really, really like Kenny Stills in this matchup. The, Titans corners have not really done very well covering anybody over the last couple of seasons. Um, so, I, you know, for me, you know, obviously they made some additions there, but for me, uh, I just think that this game is probably going to be a little messy. Florida has, you know, right now a lot of weather situations. I don't know why they keep getting Miami week one home games, but, uh, you know, they're on hurricane watch. They're in all, you know, all these weather situations. So I think the game plays a little, a little nasty, a little gross. Uh, when that happens, I certainly like to take a, a nice home dog. 49ers plus six and a half at Vikings. The total is 46. Again, we have a bunch of firsts. Uh, you know, this is the first game for Kirk Cousins at quarterback of the Vikings. Uh, 49ers will be with that chart. McKinney's out for the season. We'll see Matt Breida. We'll see Alfred Morris. Uh, and we'll see Jimmy Garoppolo on his big new shiny contract. So what do you think of this matchup, Matt? Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that the Niners are getting six and a half here. Uh, I know that the Vikings are an elite team. They were, they're probably my favorite team in the NFC, quite frankly. But six and a half just seems like a lot of points to give a guy like Garoppolo. And the line has actually moved up. It was initially at five, but 64% of the tickets and 77% of the early money has come in on the Vikings. Um, that said, I still think that I'm taking Jimmy GQ here. Like, I think any time you can get uh, a borderline elite quarterback getting nearly a touchdown, it's a situation that you want to take advantage of. Um, may, you know, I, I, I was under on the 49ers win total. Like, I'm certainly not buying a tremendous amount of hype for the team, but I still think that that's just too many points. Yeah, and I am buying the Niners, so you know I'm taking them here at the points. Uh, I agree with you. I was really, really surprised to see this number come in at six and a half. Obviously, it had to to grow, to get there. Uh, I am, I feel like books are going to really hesitate to push this to a full touchdown. That'd be very, very risky. Yes. But uh, like you just have to take quarterback quality here. I know that the, the Vikings are a great defense. Uh, last year, they were second defensive DVOA. Uh, they brought most of those players back. They also signed, you know, a couple free agents. So it's not like they have gotten worse defensively. Um, you know, certainly they'll continue to play well, but I just really believe in, in Garoppolo. I think that overall, this is a team that's, you know, on the rise and the defense isn't great. Uh, so I think that there will be like a decent amount of scoring here. Uh, but for the Vikings to cover a touchdown, like I, it's very, very tough to me uh, for me to see that. Um, even at home, I just think that the Niners really have kind of a lot to play for to kind of get a good start going to their season, especially some of the stuff that's already been like kind of unfortunate for them. They need to get out and moving. So, so. 
Uh, I'm going to take them here. I, I, like, again, we don't want to extrapolate too much, but just kind of based on what we saw at the end of the year last year, it's it's kind of hard to see them being like convincing underdogs to, to really anybody. Yeah, and, and two things I just want to add. One is I don't think the McKinnon thing matters really at all. Um, I think that they can easily replicate his production between Morris and Breida. I actually like Breida better as like a pass catching back anyway. So uh, I know that might be heresy to some of the McKinnon truthers out there like you, Anthony, but <laughs> I think Breida is going to be just as good in the pass game. And Morris has always proven to be, you know, at least capable in the run game. So I don't think that the McKinnon injury matters at all. And uh, the other thing I want to say, and this, this really holds true for all the games, but I never like to pay too much attention to the way that the public is betting early in the week. Uh, I'm sorry, the sharp money is betting early in the week. Like I could very easily see them, you know, trying to get this line up to a seven and then being willing to hammer the 49ers hard if they can get it up to a full touchdown. So like they, that's a dummy move type of thing. Like it moving from five and a half to six and a, or from five to six and a half doesn't really concern me too much on a Wednesday. You know, if, if we see that number start coming back down later in the week, that tells me that the sharps were just trying to get the 49ers at a better price. Yeah. So you would say then like, this is a good time to buy that line before it starts maybe trending the other way. If you if you believe in the Niners and you think that ultimately the sharp money will kind of move back their way. Yeah, but you know what? Like, there's not a huge difference between five and six. You know, like, the key number here is seven. Right. I think if it gets to seven, that's when you absolutely take it. Um, but if I, if I am waiting and it drops from six and a half to five or, or six or whatever... Like, I don't think I'm losing a ton of equity in, in doing so. Like, I think waiting to get seven is more important than the equity you might lose in the other direction. All right, cool. Texans, six-point dogs at the Patriots. The total here is 51. I mean, we know that we have two really good offenses here. Uh, last year, New England was first in offensive DVOA. Uh, you know, Houston was only 24th, but of course, of course, uh, they played a large portion of the season without Deshaun Watson. Uh, when Watson was in, the, in they were excellent. Uh, and these are two of the faster teams in the league right now. Uh, in the league right now, New England second in offensive pace. Houston eighth, even without Watson. Uh, just over the course of the whole year, they're still eighth in offensive pace. So two fast teams. I think we can certainly expect a bunch of scoring, Matt. But uh, you know, what do you think of the matchup, and, and what do you think of the total? Yeah, the uh, the Texans were first in the league in points when Watson started games for them. I think they averaged like. 33 points a game so uh, I have no concerns about them moving the ball on the Patriots who at least early in the season have started extremely slow defensively for the past few seasons I think that continues this year Um, I don't like going against the Patriots if you listen to our AFC show we mentioned some of their against the spread numbers and they're just absolutely ridiculous 144 88 and 8 against the spread since 2003 that's a 62.1% uh, cover ratio, which is by far the best in the league. So uh, I don't like to bet against the Patriots, but I think if there is a week to do it, it's week one of the season. They're only six, eight, and one in week one, so sub fifty percent. Um, I think this team, you know, as I mentioned, starts slowly, and through the coaching of Belichick and and just guys getting more acclimated into the system, they sort of improve as the year goes on. So. Uh, I actually like the over here as a bet. That's probably where I'm leaning in this game more than a side. I think that the Texans should be able to move the ball. And then obviously I, I have no problems seeing the Patriots moving the ball against the Texans. So I think that they should be able to get over 51 here. Um, especially if we see a couple extra penalties with the way that they're looking to officiate games this season. Yeah. And I, I'm not really sure where New England's gotten better on defense. Like they were 31st last year in right, and they, uh, total they don't defensive have DVOA. Their, their best cornerback anymore either. Right. And Butler's gone. I, I don't really see where the defense comes in. You know, these teams played last year and it was just an outrageous shootout. So like, I don't want to like overreact obviously to like the one matchup, but like, I'm not really sure what's changed from a year ago. Uh, you know, that would, I guess, kind of limit that into a, a lower scoring game. Right. So I, I definitely think that, you know, you being on the over here is is pretty sharp. Uh, I'm still going to take New England in terms of the spread, uh, just because I do think that Watson is kind of due to regress. 
in terms of his touchdown production. And what I mentioned in the AFC show, uh, you know, Watts still throws a bunch of interceptions. Like that's something that was a trend that he showed, uh, you know, towards the end of his Clemson career. Uh, and he certainly had those same tendencies last year, even while I was throwing all those touchdowns, uh, he threw a bunch of picks. So I don't really think that you can turn the ball over and sustain quality over a long period of time. Uh, and I think the Patriots, while they are poor on defense, I do still think they're opportunistic. So I'm going to go with uh, New England laying the six. Bucks plus nine and a half at Saints. Total is 49 and a half. We'll not have Jameis Winston in this game. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be starting in his place. Uh, for the Saints, we will not have Mark Ingram. Both of those guys are suspended. Uh, so we'll see maybe a little Mike Gillisley, a little Boston Scott, uh, and of course we'll see Alvin Kamara. So a whole lot of Alvin Kamara. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Kamara. Uh, but again, you know, two pretty good offenses overall, both top twelve in offensive DVOA 2017. Uh, what do you think of this, Matt? Yeah, I think the Bucks are being undervalued here a little bit. Um, an angle that I like this season is divisional underdogs of at least seven and a half points. They are 194, 160, and 6 against the spread in our database at Bet Labs. So I think that anytime you can get a divisional team getting more than 7 points, it's a bet that could be worthwhile. And I don't think that the downgrade from Jameis to Ryan Fitzpatrick is that big. Um, we know how important the turnover battle is in the NFL. And I certainly feel better about Fitzpatrick keeping a clean sheet than I would about Jameis Winston. You know, even though Fitzpatrick might be a little bit less talented as a passer, he's going to protect the ball better. Um, we'll see what that means in terms of them moving the ball. I do think that the Saints' defense is due for some regression this season. You know, they were pretty good last year. Um, they were eighth in defensive DVOA at home. I don't think they're that talented on that side of the ball. I know that Marcus Lattimore was a, a sensation as a rookie at cornerback. They still have Cam Jordan. And they just traded up to get a, a pass rusher opposite him. But I could see a step back from the Saints defense this season. So I like the idea of getting the Bucks and the nine and a half here. Yeah, we talked about that in the NFC show. You know, a lot of what New Orleans did last year was kind of rooted in turnovers. Uh, kind of the, you know, bend but don't break kind of philosophy. It's hard to play that style of football, I think, in the long run. So I definitely agree on some regression there. And it, like... I do think that New Orleans is going to pass the ball a lot better. But, you know, Tampa is just like the kind of team that is going to try to run the ball on you a little bit. Like Cutter, uh, Cutter is, is going to definitely do that. Uh, and like you said, Fitzpatrick is very adequate as a backup. I mean, the guy started has started a game in every season for the last like decade. Like he just finds a way to get on the field and he does pretty well. So uh, I definitely think the number is too high you know, for a division game especially. It, it's interesting to me just because, like, the big narrative right now is, like, is Jameis going to start in week four when he comes back? Uh, you know, I don't know. Patrick probably is, like, not, like, playing for his, his job in terms of, like, his roster spot, but, like, if he comes out and it's just, like, gangbusters the first three weeks, like, they might actually let him start. So uh, I think that that's a little extra motivation here too. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think he'd have to play, like, phenomenally to keep Fire. Winston off the field when he's done with his suspension but um it's certainly a possibility I mean he was outstanding for the Jets a few years ago so um yeah that's interesting and going back to that double tight end angle you know you're not going to find a team with two better tight ends right now than the Bucks with OJ Howard and uh Cameron Brait, you know, both very capable pass catchers. So I, I like their formation versatility that they're going to have. You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, also three really good options at wide receiver. So Fitzpatrick's going to have opportunities if the line can protect him. He's going to have some guys who can make some plays for him. Hey, Rotoviz fans, allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. With just days left in the 2018 fantasy draft season, the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interests and budget. Whether it's best ball, super flex, or classic managed leagues, there are dozens of live drafts filling all day long, starting at just $35. Don't miss the FFPC experience, wrote of his listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, let's get back to the games. Jags, 
Three point road favorites at my Giants. The total is at 43 and a half. We were expecting a low scoring game. Uh, and again, you know, we have a, a new coach, Pat Shermer, leading the Giants with their new second overall running back, Saquon Barkley. Matt, take it away. Yeah, I, I like the Giants here. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to be financially invested in them, but, you know, this is kind of the case where you, where you have the team that, was really good last year versus the team that was really bad last year. So I mentioned that, you know, teams who won six or fewer games have a really high cover rate in week one. Teams who won 10 or more games the previous season only cover at a 43.4% clip. So we kind of have two of those trends competing here, uh, plus the fact that the Giants are a home underdog, which is always a nice thing to target. The one uh, concern that I have is that the the Jags pass rush Figures to just demolish the Giants' offensive line, you know, like uh, the Calais Campbell should have his way versus Eric Flowers on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, I am a little bit concerned about that, uh, but I do think that the the spread number right now is pretty fair with the Giants. You know, like if this game was in Jacksonville, I don't think they would be favored by nine over the Giants. So I kind of like the fact that I'm getting the full three here. Uh, with the game being played in New York. Yeah, you make a good point. Um, and it is kind of interesting to look at, you know, where Jacksonville, as good as they were defensively, uh, where they struggled on defense was in the run. Uh, you can get away with that and win games, but, you know, they were 27th in uh, run DVOA, first against the pass. So obviously the pass mattered more. Uh, that's why their defense overall was so great. And that's why, you know, overall they were able to win a bunch of games. But you know, it is possible that maybe Saquon has uh, a decent impact right away here if the offensive line can block. Uh, the Eric Flowers thing, I think, is uh, a penultimate concern for this team. Uh, but you know, I'm kind of intrigued to see what they do. Odell on the first game with a big contract. Like, you make all the good points, obviously, for the Giants to cover. But ultimately, I think the Giants are too good. Like, I, I think that the defensive line is going to be too good. I think that Ramsey can basically take away Odell. And anytime you take away Odell, that basically cripples the Giants. Yeah. So I will uh, I will take the Jags. I mean, it's really kind of like just just a stay-away game for me. But uh, if I'm taking a side, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Bills plus 7.5 at Ravens. Total is at 40.5. Uh, we kind of expect this to be an ugly one. Bills will be starting Nathan Peterman. Uh, not very much to offer offensively. And the Ravens, of course... We'll be going with uh, fired up Joe Flacco as he looks to stave off uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> what do you think of the matchup, Matt? Yeah, I love that the Bills just decided, like, you know what? We we start the year with a brutal schedule, so we're just going to start Peterman and let him just get obliterated in the first few weeks of the season before handing it off to Josh Allen. Uh, I actually think that's pretty smart, but it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence for me in the Bills here. Um, you know, I think the last time we saw Peterman in a regular season game, he turned it over five times in the first half. So I'm not expecting that, obviously. Not good. (laughs) But I'm not expecting a whole lot from a Bills offense that is just really, really devoid of talent. Uh, the Ravens are one of the better home field teams in the league as a home favorite. They are 53, 43, and four in our database, which is pretty good. Um, and my other trend that I wrote was just that the Bills are awful. (laughs) <laughs> so so yeah i uh i'm gonna go against something that I, I i normally never really pick big favorites like this but uh the ravens are a team that i'm super high on this year you know they were one of my they might have been my best bet in the afc in terms of them winning more than eight games so uh i think given the matchup against a team like the bills if they don't win this game big it's uh it's not a good indictment for how their season is going to go. So I'm going to lay the points here. Get it? I plugged the show name. Laying the points. And uh, I will take the Ravens <laughs> giving a field, uh, giving seven and a half. Yeah, I wish they were only giving a field goal. Yeah. Um, I was going to say a field goal and a half, but uh, that is not accurate. Nope. Math does not check out. <laughs> I, uh, I hate games like this. I really do because I, I think it's so easy to get lured into betting against bad teams. And the Bills are a hell of a bed. Uh, I'm really a lot more interested in the total on this game. Uh, right now, it's at 40 and a half. Uh, I'd like it to get to 40 or less. Uh, you know, a good trend. 
anytime any time we've had a home favorite of at least seven and a closing total of at most 40 the over has hit uh 53 and a half percent good for a 4.2 percent return on on investment so it's a pr- been a pretty good bet you know obviously if you expect like these uh you know really big home favorites to cover uh, there's probably going to be a few points scored so you know i really don't think that buffalo defensively is that great i kind of think that what they did last year was just a lot of variance uh their overall defensive dvoa was just 15 so very middle of the road on defense uh, and i think that baltimore this year is going to come out shooting a little bit they have like actual receivers for a change which is nice I really, I really like the Michael Crabtree edition. Uh, um, so I, I think that this game is going to feature a little bit of offense on the Ravens side and uh, hopefully just enough on the Bills uh, to get an overplay here. Chiefs plus three at Chargers, totals at 48. Uh, not a ton of major news, actually, in this game. I mean, uh, most of the injuries and stuff like that on both sides have kind of already happened. I guess the most recent thing of note is that Antonio Gates is back with the Chargers. And I would expect him to play. I mean, he was just in this on this team last year. So what do you got, Matt? Yeah, I, I honestly hated the Antonio Gates signing for the Chargers. Like, I understand that there's some familiarity there, and he can probably help you in the red zone. But it was notable that the team got significantly better last year once they started playing him less and Hunter Henry more. Now, obviously, they don't have Hunter Henry this year, which, you know, he's one of the best tight ends in the league, I think the numbers say. Like, I don't think that's that bold of a statement. You know, at this point, he's really just competing with guys like Virgil Green. So it's not like by playing Gates, you're keeping Henry off the field. But I still think that he's just so past his prime at this point that he's really a negative to the offense. Um, And that just goes along with the fact that I've kind of been fading the Chargers coaching staff and front office all season. And I'm going to continue to do it here. Uh, I think that Andy Reid has the potential to coach um, Anthony Lynn under the table here. Uh, Reid, not great in season openers, 8-7 and seven against the spread. But when you give him time, he's typically pretty good. He's 30-19 and 19 against the spread when he has at least 8 days of rest. You know, so like bye weeks or a Sunday game after a Thursday game, things like that. So, uh I think that we're both pretty high on the Chiefs' offensive potential this year. Uh, I think that they have enough to potentially negate the Chargers' elite defense. And if they can do that, I, I just don't trust the Chargers enough on the offensive side of the ball to keep pace. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm Team Goat Holmes. But uh, it's kind of a weird spot because, like you said, like Reed has not done – you know, really good in these opening games, but he's been really good overall with the time to plan. Uh, I mean, ultimately, like Rivers has not done great traditionally against the Chiefs. If you look at uh, his last eight starts against Kansas City, he's thrown six touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Uh, you know, granted, the Kansas City defense has probably been a lot better than it is now over a bunch of those years. But I still think that that's some history that can kind of just be in your head, especially when you're playing uh, you know, a, a good divisional opponent. Uh, I mean, I like Kansas City with the three, but uh, th- again, this is a little bit of a stay away from me. I mean, we really want to see, we really want to see what Mahomes is made of in like a premium matchup. And I think that we'll get a lot more information about like kind of who he is uh, this week. So I, I don't really want to bet, like I liked getting the over on the Chiefs total because I thought the Chiefs total was probably low, but I don't really like betting I don't really like betting this week one matchup. I kind of want to get that information under my belt before I uh, before I make moves on that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Seahawks plus three at Broncos, forty three point total. Uh, we're gonna have uh, a bunch of new faces probably in the Seattle offense, but we should see you know, at the very least we're gonna see Chris Carson start over uh, the bloated Rashad Penny. Uh, and then on Denver for Denver we have uh, Case Keenum making his first start as a Bronco. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, so the Seahawks got Earl Thomas back today, which, you know, there were a lot of people, uh, I think me and you kind of included, that weren't sure if he was ever going to play another game as a Seahawk. But he is uh, uh, reportedly practicing and has a shot to play week one, and I think that could be massive for this defense. Um, I like the Broncos. I think that their pass rush should really have their way with the with the Seahawks' offensive line. 
But I think that the, the, the thought of getting Russell Wilson plus points is just really too tempting for me right now. Uh, Wilson as an underdog in his career is 14, five and one against the spread. Now, obviously a lot of that has come with a team that is much more talented around him than what he is, uh, playing with right now. But I still think that even against a team like the Broncos who are going to be strong defensively, Wilson might be able to do enough, you know, scrambling and things like that to, to keep this game competitive. So, uh, I'm going to back the Seahawks here with the three points. And uh, I'm really going to need to see that this season is going to be a disaster before I'm willing to bet against Wilson uh, a lot in these situations. I'm betting against him now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, this is just a trend that I think we've been on all summer. Like, granted, we didn't really expect Earl Thomas to be back. But I still think that the overall quality of this football team is just not what it used to be. We really liked Denver over seven. We really liked Seattle under anything. Well, you really um, like them under eight. I was a little more hesitant that's true. than you. That's true. That's true. So to to be in line with my my uh, predictions, I'm obviously going to go with Denver. But I mean, you mentioned already like a couple of the reasons why. Like I, I just think that this is kind of an ideal matchup for the Broncos. They get uh, you know the strength of their defense up against the weakness of the Seattle offense, and that's a a huge win for Denver. Uh, and you know even defensively, uh, you know offensively for Denver. I think they're going to be able to push Seattle around. I really don't like a lot of what they have coming back on defense. Even with Earl Thomas kind of roaming and, and uh, I guess just, just playing football, as they say. Uh, I still think that like DT and Sanders are going to be able to get open against the defense. I and mean, the total is at 43, so I guess we're not really expecting a ton of scoring. But I just think ultimately this is a, this is a win for Denver. Do you think it's possible that the the Seahawks offensive line might not be as bad as people are projecting this season? I mean, they do get um, they do get Dwayne Brown, right? Like and he's proven to be, you know, a borderline elite. He was better tackle. for them last year. Yeah. So, but I I thought he also missed time with them last year. So, I don't know, like maybe maybe the Seahawks are being slept on a little bit. I I'm just not ready to go there quite yet. So, uh, like that's just purely out of respect for Russell Wilson on my part, but you know that I'm like the biggest Russell stand that there is. I mean, rightfully so, rightfully so. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think that like the overall depth of the line isn't that good, and when you have like really really good edge rushers, like can't talk tonight. Really good edge rushers like Denver has, uh, it's just really hard to stop those guys like playing and play out. Redskins plus one at cards. I mean, I think this would be my vote for like. Boring, most boring game of the week. It's definitely up there. It, <laughs> it's it, definitely I, up there. I will watch a lot of football this Sunday. I might not watch like more than six plays of this game. <laughs> um, I mean, I, what do you got, Matt? Like, I, I just don't think that this is a very this is good football. Yeah, I think that this one for sure is going to be the Redskins for me. Um, uh, I bet the Cards under five and a half wins this year, so I, I think that they have the potential to be the worst team in football. And I really like Alex Smith. Like, I've kind of been banging this drum all offseason that Alex Smith is, like, perennially underrated as a real quarterback. Just because he's not going to put up the gaudy fantasy statistics, this guy can win games. Like, he, and he's going to have a good complement of weapons. You know, Jordan Reed is hopefully going to be healthy, at least for week one. Uh, you know, Chris Thompson back in the fold. And some interesting receivers with guys like, Josh Doxson and, and Paul Richardson. So, uh, you know, Jameson Crowder as well. I think they have enough to, to move the ball on the cards, and I just don't see the cards' offense being very good, even with David Johnson back in the fold. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really good point. I, I I think the one thing that's going a little underrated here for the Cardinals is, uh, you know, this is kind of the only time we're guaranteed a healthy Sam Bradford. <laughs> and, like, Bradford over his career has still been a pretty effective quarterback. I mean, he's got a, you know, the, the, over the last like three or four seasons, pretty much when he's been a starter, he's been really productive. So I, I still think that like if he's their starter and he's like basically a league average player, if he's league average, that's better than kind of what we expected from them over the course of the year. Cause you expect, you know, he probably gets hurt at some point or they start Rosen. Uh, and then Rosen kind of has some rookie bumps, but I think early on in the year where the, they're healthy. You know, they still have some elite players on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and I really just don't see the Redskins having an answer for David Johnson, not even just as a runner. Uh, they do have a weak defensive line. 
But even in the passing game, I just don't really see the player, uh, you know, that Washington could have to, you know, to guard him. I mean, they traded their best slot corner in the offseason in the Alex Smith trade. Uh, their linebackers aren't really that good in coverage. Their better ones are really more for rushing the passer. So I, I kind of think that this is a decent matchup. Uh, one point, the, you know, one point is small. I kind of speaks, I guess, to the overall quality of both teams, but. Uh, I do, I do think I'm probably taking Arizona here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree with you on the Sam Bradford part of things. Like we saw him be pretty good in Minnesota, you know, dealing with uh, a really elite set of offensive weapons. So I'll be curious to see if he can provide similar production, you know, in a, in a far less talented offense in Arizona. So Larry Ledge, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love Larry, uh, but he's <laughs> he should be double teamed on like every play, like, and then you're leaning on Chad Williams and Christian Kirk, I guess, Ricky Seals Jones, like, you know what? Maybe their offense isn't awful, but we'll, we'll hey, see. Hey, I mean, there we go. Maybe I'm underrating them a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I'm still sticking with my Redskins pick. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to you on Sunday night about the games, like, we'll probably just be saying, hey, uh. You know, the Cardinals won today, or the Redskins won today, because we'll, like, have not watched any any of the game. <laughs> now, listen, I, I don't want to brag about this. This is not to be arrogant. But ever since we started doing this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, you know, teams to bet on, uh, you know, favorite futures. But the truth is, listen, I, I, even the best guys out there, they don't really know who's going to win. I don't even think I'm the best. I just think I'm at, I'm league average. You know, Matt's good. I, uh, I, just I might floating. be slightly above league average. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, the biggest thing, I mean, we talk all the time about getting the edges. One of the biggest edges that you can get is just by getting the right book, getting the best lines, you know, picking the right person to trust your money with. And for us, that's my bookie. Uh, absolutely best bet at my bookie. They are your best make this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online. And their mobile site is really easy to use. You guys know by now, I would really only recommend something to my listeners that I trust, something that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to go over to my bookie. You win, and they pay. And they pay fast without any hassles. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet over-unders on fantasy points. We talked about this a little bit during basketball season. It is back for football. Really, really excited about that. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. That's right, 100% deposit bonus. Just use promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the special offer. A little different than our previous promo codes. So make sure you get that right. Promo code ROTOVIZ. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code ROTOVIZ when creating your account. Claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's right, $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag. Some really Good offers there, I think, by my bookie, uh, yeah. our presenting sponsor. I'm excited to see these fantasy player props because I think they're going to be soft. I can't wait to take advantage of my bookie. <laughs> I'm looking to clean them up. <laughs> Where you play, you win, and you get paid. <laughs> uh, maybe by this time next season, it'll be matchbookie.ag. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, and we have a, you know, a couple of really good games here at the end of the slate, uh, late Sunday and prime time. Cowboys plus three at Panthers. Low scoring projected total, 42 and a half. We have Z. We have Cam. You know, all the main pieces are going to be active in this game. I think there's going to be some good football, Matt. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm conflicted on this one because I really like the Cowboys when they have Sean Lee in the lineup. Uh, over the last three seasons, they're 25 and 13 straight up when he plays, 1 and 9 straight up when he doesn't. So, like, they go from uh, being a slightly above average defensive unit to you know abysmal when he is in and out of the lineup so uh and for a team like the Cowboys that relies so heavily on their running game and and situational football and stuff like that defensive impact is just massive for both sides of the ball um that said like I am pretty terrified about the Cowboys offensive line right now you know if they go from being elite to even just being good that could have a uh, disastrous impact on them on the whole. I'm also pretty high on the Panthers. You know, I, I uh, just touted Cam Newton to win MVP as my favorite bet this season over at the Action Ooh. Network. 
Yeah, twenty over twenty to one on Cam. So uh, I think that the Panthers are my play here. I don't feel great about it. It's probably going to be a stay away, but I think I'm leaning Panthers at the moment. Yeah, I think betting against Dallas. I haven't done the research, but I feel like betting against like a team that's just like always a public team is probably decent. Um, for me. For me, I still think I like Dallas just because of the Sean Lee trend. It's very, very similar, like how I feel about, you know, the teams like the Cardinals. Like when you have like a key player that is likely going to get hurt at some point, and he's not hurt right now, uh, that's just something that I really like to buy. So I, I like that. Uh, I do think that Carolina, like I, I'm still not really sure who they are offensively with Norv. Like it seems like they're going to throw a little bit more. I'm not positive that that's a good thing. It's like one of the only teams in the league where that, that might not be good, just because really? the strength of their their strength of their offense is like so heavily predicated on like Cam running. So I'm like really nervous that he's gonna like kind of castrate Cam a little bit and like not let him run. I don't know. We'll see. I'm just I'm slightly nervous about it. Well, maybe but, uh, I mean more pass plays will, would probably lead to more undesigned Cam runs at least. That's true. That's a really good point. I, I am definitely a huge fan of that. Um, so we'll kind of see, I guess, Carolina looks like with Norv, but, uh, I do like Dallas here. I mean, I, the offensive line point I think is very, very well taken. Um, but if you look at just like the overall offensive production, pretty much anytime they had, they've been healthy, uh, with Zeke, uh, with Tyron, with Dak, uh, they've been really, really tough. Like they're probably, they're probably like a playoff caliber team. I think when all things are going well, uh, and this is kind of the best chance I think at, at that being the case. Bears plus seven and a half at Packers. Total is 47 and a half. We have the upstart Bears as big road dogs. Prime time on Sunday. What do you think of this, Matt? Yep. This is another one that fits the uh, big divisional dog trend, although the Bears are just barely getting it at seven and a half points. Uh, I know you love to hate on Aaron Rodgers, but I, I think that just means you're not betting on him enough because if you look at Rodgers in our database, he's 82, 57, and three against the spread uh over the past 11 12 seasons something like that that's good for a 15.3 percent return on investment only brady and peyton manning have higher marks so rogers is just fantastic um again this is another one where i'm kind of split because i do like the idea of getting a divisional dog with more than a touchdown but ultimately i'm going to take rogers here it's not a game that I will actually bet. I will more just be looking to enjoy it from a real football perspective. But if I had to pick a side, it would be the Packers. Oh, Matt, I mean, am I going to surprise you if I say I'm taking the Bears? No, <laughs> not, even, <laughs> not even a little bit. Uh, and it's not an anti-Rodgers take. Like I am, I'm obviously convinced that Rodgers is a good quarterback, but... I do kind of think that, like, the rest of the matchup is kind of tough for Green Bay. Uh, the Bears' secondary has played really well under Vic Fangio. Um, they bring a lot of those players back. Vic Fangio obviously is back. Uh, and the Vic Packers Fangio really... is a stud defensive coordinator. So, right. I agree with that. And the Packers just don't have a lot of good skill players. Like, Randall Cobb, they've been trying to trade away all summer. Devontae Adams is maybe good. I'm still not really convinced of that. Jimmy Graham is completely washed up. In your opinion. Like, I, in my opinion. <laughs> I just don't – I'm not positive, like, where the points are coming from. Like, I I mean, obviously they're coming from 12's arm. But I'm not really sure who's catching them, like, where they're going. Uh, and I think that the Bears are going to be competitive. I think that uh, – like, I, like I, we talked about the NFC show where, like, I think that they're probably a little overrated. But that, like, overrated public opinion I feel like is not being reflected in this line. Uh, and I, you get it over a touchdown, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bears. Right, and obviously they added Khalil Mack, which right. if they were I think overrated, that fits. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> so uh, this line has dropped. It was at eight, and uh, unsurprisingly, the money is pounding the Bears right now. Sixty nine percent of the bets have come in on the Bears, even though they're only getting forty percent of the tickets at the moment. So the sharp guys like the divisional dog. The sexy, you know, road team. And even though I love Rodgers, like, it's hard to deny the fact that his play has declined over the past few years. Like, he's gone from a guy mm. who was a, you know, 
eight yard per attempt guy to over the past few seasons, he's been more in the sixes. So I don't know if that's weapons, if that's age, if that's protection, but you know, the, the signs of Rogers maybe being on a slight decline might be, might be starting. So I, I, you're speaking my language, man. Yeah. I still, I still personally, that, that said, I'm still picking the Packers. So, (laughs) uh, all very fair, all very fair. Um, I will, I will pick the Packers at least once this season. I promise. All right. I'm not, uh, yeah, I can pretty much go. guarantee they won't go 0 16 against the spread this year. Right. <laughs> As for the, the Rogers trend, um, your Jets, Matt, getting six and a half at Detroit on the first Monday night game of the year. Total is at 45. We've got Sam Darnold against Matt Stafford. Talk to me, talk to me nice about your Jets, Matt. AKA save your Sam. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's what they're calling him, baby. Uh, yeah, I, I think I like the Jets with the points. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced on it. You know, it stinks that I feel like my, my worst read on all of these games have been in these primetime games, you know, when you definitely want to have some action involved. But, uh, I can't really talk myself into the Jets, even though I think that they're getting a few extra points of value. Like, if Darnold's good, it's too many points, right? Like, the Lions are not a great team. Uh, I picked them to go under eight wins this year. So I think that the Jets are probably the side here, in my opinion. But again, it's another game that I just don't feel super comfortable with. Yeah, I I like the Jets. I feel a little bit stronger than you, just because I do think the Jets have been pretty underrated. Like, I think that, like, the overall feelings about the Jets is, like, they just think overall. But I do think that defensively they still have a lot of really good pieces, especially in the secondary. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's kind of where you want to be good against Detroit. Like, you don't really need you don't really need to have a great pass rush. Like, in the, my goodness, the Jets have a terrible pass rush. <laughs> but you don't need to have a good one to get pressure against this team because you now the offensive line for Detroit has not played well. Now, they did make, you know, some upgrades on the offensive line. Uh, but, you know, it's really hard to tell, like, exactly the impact that that's going to have. Uh, and I think as long as you can play well in the secondary against these receivers, you can definitely compete. And I expect the Jets to do that. Uh, and, you know, again, Detroit on defense is uh, no great shakes, especially against the run, 28th in rush DVOA last season. Uh, I think that this is a, a really nice spot for Isaiah Crowell to maybe get get going. And... We're not really sure if we like Matt Patricia. I feel like that's been kind of a, a really popular narrative in the offseason as well, uh, especially from one Bill Simmons. So uh, very, very curious to see kind of what happens at Detroit. But anytime like there's a, a, a lot of uncertainty, I'm certainly going to take a, a big dog. So I'll take the number. Yeah. And I think don't sleep on Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is a monster. Uh, I think that this is going to be his best season yet, you know, sort of being the guy on the defensive line. Instead of having to, sure. you know, share some shine with guys like Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson. So I'm expecting a big season from Leonard Williams. All right. I like it. And the last game of the week, we got Rams minus four at Raiders. Two teams that could not be more on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of what people think. 49 and a half point total. What do you think, man? John Gruden's return. I mean, how 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 good is it that John Gruden is playing a Monday night game in his first game? <laughs> yeah, I wonder who his Gruden grinder is going to be. <laughs> um, yeah. Listen, I'm super down on the Raiders. <clears throat> I picked them to go under. Like that's one of the strongest bets I made was them under eight this year. But this line is too high. I mean, if they were playing in a, in Los Angeles, they're saying that the Rams are ten points better. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. If you look at the Action Network, uh, power rankings, they have the Rams as 3.6 better than average and the Raiders as f- half a point worse than average. So that's, you know, uh, about a four point differential. But when you adjust for home field, you know, the Raiders should be getting, uh, less than four points here. So I'm going to take the Raiders. I feel absolutely awful about doing it. But I just think that it's, you know, the, the way the line is right now, the, the Raiders are the side. I uh, I agree. And it does kind of suck. But, like, because you just don't want to be on teams like Oakland. Like, that's why Oakland is a team you're probably going to get some good, move, uh, you know, line trends with this year. 
is like people just don't want to be on Oakland now. Like the Mac thing really with a lot of bad optics for them in, in the Mac trade. Uh, I think like the one move was something that like I didn't think the Raiders were going to be that great before that. So like the Mac trade, like obviously it sucks, but they were already, in my opinion, not going to be that good. Like for me, this that, that move really just shifted public opinion a lot. Yes. Uh, and I think that that's giving us, uh, you know, some value here in the line at home. uh Really good environment for them. I kind of think that, like, there's a little bit of nobody believes in us here with Oakland, uh, you know, just for week one. So I'm going to take them. I mean, I, the Rams, the Rams, we've seen, like, with this, with some of these, like, quote-unquote super teams in the past. Like, there's just so many pieces and so many egos and so many things to control. Uh, you know, Sean McVay is going to have a kind of his work out for him. So I think that this is a game that the Rams will ultimately win because I still believe that they're a good football team. But I think that it's going to be close, and it probably likely comes down to a field goal. So that means Raiders plus four. Yeah, and and like All you right. said, the public sentiment with the Raiders, I think, is worse than what they actually achieved with the MAC trade. Like, definitely, I, I kind of have been thinking about it as it, it was like an NBA trade. You know, like they don't think they're going to win, so why pay you know Khalil Mack twenty five to thirty million dollars a year to really not even do much for their defense. You know, like, they're not a Khalil Mack away from contending. So uh, I think if you look at it that way, it makes a little more sense why they were willing to flip him for, you know, multiple first-round picks. Absolutely. Now, a little bit different during the NFL season. We're going to get into the book at My Bookie Picks of the Week. Uh, but Matt and I are going to each give you a five-pack of games. It's a super, super-charged book at Picks of the Week every week. Uh, we'll give you five games. You know, maybe there'll be some overlap between me and Matt's picks. I don't think there is this week. Yeah, this week we're on completely different pages. So you're getting ten picks this week on the Laying the Points podcast, uh, and we'll track these, Matt. Right? I mean, we'll we'll give yes, we'll give out we'll give about some love for the people, and you and I will get to compete, which is always fun. You usually win, but we'll get to compete. We're gonna track uh, our records. Um, I also just want to remind everybody that this is Wednesday night. You know, like. Yep. Things can change. Uh, I would say that if you really want to see who me and Anthony like come Sunday, follow us on the Action Network app. You know, I will tweet my Action Network, uh, you know, picks handle essentially. And if you sign up for the Action Network, you can get access to all of those picks as soon as I place them. So, and not just me, all of the talent at, uh, Action Network has different accounts that you can follow and such. So I think it's honestly a great way to spend uh, a few bucks this season. So yeah, that's just something I would like to, to put out as a disclaimer. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think one of the big things that I have, uh, I don't know, really promoted as a sports better is like, you want to bet the line, not the game. Yeah. So like for me, like kind of what happens where the money is over the course of the week, like really impacts, you know, where I'm putting my money on like a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, if I'm making a bet early in the week, it's usually just because I, I think that a bad, bad number has been put out. So like, and we didn't have that kind of action this week because the lines were put out so long ago. So like for me, uh, you know, you definitely want to know, you want to get our second thoughts later in the week, you know, do not go out and like take out a second mortgage on, on a Wednesday pick. That's just my, that's my professional advice. Yes. So, uh, if you want my final picks, you can definitely check out Amico's Amico's Bets, which is a package we'll be offering at Rotoker, or you guys could pay for that and get access to all my bets, uh, NFL and college football. So definitely do that. So with all that said, Matt, let's get into our five pack. You can go first. That's all right, the talent on the show. I'm going uh, with the Eagles minus one. Uh, I've already locked that one in. I think that that's. Maybe my favorite bet of the week at the moment. Um, and being that it's Thursday, I, I, you know, that game is being played on Thursday. I had no problem locking that one in already. I also have the Bucks plus nine and a half, Pats, Texans over 51, Ravens minus seven and a half, and Chiefs plus three. Uh, my one regret here is that the Ravens opened at seven. I wish I had grabbed them at seven, but I still honestly feel fine laying the hook. Uh, because I think that the Ravens can win this game by like 30 if they really play their best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, definitely, definitely some good stuff there. I definitely like the Pats Texans over. Um, 
I am going to take an over as well. Well, I'm going to take an over in that Thursday game, 44 and a half. I just think that people are overreacting to the Foles thing. Uh, both of these offenses, I think, are, are capable of scoring points. 44 and a half seems very, very light to me. Yeah, this agreed. is a game that I, th- yeah, I think that you know when this was played in the postseason, and you know if they play this game again in like six weeks or so, like this is probably closer to like a 48 point total. Yeah. So some value there. Uh, Miami won at plus one and a half. You know, I like a good home dog. Me too. That that game was very close to being in for me. So I like that one as well. Dallas plus three for some of the reasons I mentioned before. I like the Sean Lee. I like uh, pretty much all of those key skill players plus Tyron Smith being healthy for Dallas. Colts minus three. I believe in Andrew Luck. I believe in tight ends. I want to bet. I mean, just when it, it on all things Colts. I'm really trying to get my money in on them early because I think that there's still some correction that has to be done uh, based on Luck's presence. Yep. So I want to really get money in on them early. Uh, and Denver, minus three. Uh, yes, Earl Thomas is back. You know, Maybe he'll play. I mean, maybe he won't play. Maybe he won't play a full complement of snaps. You know, If that happens, I think you're definitely getting some line value. Uh, but I certainly think that Denver can score against Seattle regardless. Uh, and I like the pass rush. So uh, those are my five. Love it. Let's make some money this week, All right, guys. Anthony. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I need to, I need to make some money. Like, I've been trying to scrape on these like preseason games and stuff. Like, this is this is actual football now. Like, we can actually kind of fatten the wallet a little bit. Let's do it. So that's gonna do it for this edition of Laying the Points. Brought to you by my bookie. Please be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and get that deposit bonus on my bookie. Remember, the promo code is Rotoviz now. They're going to match you dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Definitely make sure you get the action to that. From Matt LaMarca, I'm Anthony Miko. May the odds be ever in your favor.